uh, some ketchup time. All right, as soon as I see the camera ticking so I know it's recording. Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcast. I'm coming to you with a very special episode of whatever we're going to decide to call this show, because uh, I don't really have a name for it. Uh, but uh, joining me this week, making his triumphant return to the top Nerdy TV podcast network, a voice you may not heard in some time, but you'll recognize it instantly. It's those dulcet, deep tones. It's the voice that gets them moist. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> please welcome back Mastodon Bacon. <laughs> hello, hello. It's great to be back. We all missed you. We've all been trying to practice, had a, had a floss since the last time we saw you. Uh, still can't, so... <laughs> that was a great time. That was an excellent time. Pretty sure that's still our most viewed video, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, understandably so. <laughs> uh, so thank you for joining me, Don. Um, we're friends. We were friends a long time, but it's, uh, it's always good to have a podcast together. <laughs> There's our title. We've been, we've been friends for a long time. <laughs> we have been friends for a long time. Uh, so this week. Uh, and what I think will be a recurring show, because if I can talk down into it, we'll have a couple more of these. Uh, we're going to break down and give you our thoughts, views, theories, incoherent ramblings about the first five episodes of Marvel's first ever TV show. Let's say that because then the people are going to go nuts on their keyboard is talking about uh, there's a Netflix series and <laughs> the shield and yeah none of that shit counts. Uh, the first ever that I <laughs> actually give a shit about uh, Marvel series one division, uh, which I think has really taken everyone by surprise with how great it is and how addicted to it we are and how much we really miss the MCU. Yes, uh, a lot to unpack there. Uh, Don, your initial thoughts on one division before we dive deep into it. Um, so I will say I came in with really, really low expectations and it's, it, it's two things for me. Um, you know, I, Scarlet Witch and, um, and the vision where I've always kind of, even though I've been a huge Avengers fan for a long time, I've always kind of been like ancillary characters to me. Um, and even in the MCU, you know, they got some attention here and there, their relationship got some attention in, um, uh, Infinity War, I still kind of felt like, you know, did we did we get enough of them then for it to really warrant a show? And is it going to be exciting? Am I going to be happy to see these, these, these two characters? And I got to tell you, I have loved every second of this. Uh, <laughs> I have enjoyed this so much. So much more than I even thought that I would. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss plenty, but it's yeah. it's been refreshing and it's <laughs> it's something different, and it's better than I expected. Yeah, uh, and I want to hit on a point you just made. Is is so obviously, uh, you know, the corona screwed everything up because uh, this was not intended to be the first show uh, for Marvel Studios on Disney Plus. It was supposed to be the second or third, um, and I, I think uh, if I can borrow from another franchise, I think the Force was with us on this one a little bit because. I'm I'm very excited for uh, 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 Bucky, uh, and that's not what it's called. That's what I'm gonna refer to it as. I'm excited for the Bucky and Sam show. Uh, I'm intrigued by Loki. I can't wait for Hawkeye. But 
I don't think anyone called. I, I don't think anyone would have said this was the show they were most looking forward to when when they announced that first slate of shows. That being said, I feel like if we got that that show very much looks like a Marvel movie in eight parts. I feel like WandaVision inherently could not have been done as a movie. And yes. again, having not seen any of the other shows yet, because they're not on yet, I could be jumping to conclusions, but I feel like I ended up coming first because this is so inherently a TV show, literally from like the, the way the episodes themselves are structured to the fact that it's one creating a TV show for herself that like, you know, we're, we're leaping from decade to decade uh, through the history of TV. Like it is so inherently, this needed to be a series. This couldn't have been a movie. Uh, and I think that's great as your, your first, uh, first shot. And I think the, the mystery element to it, the what's really going on, the sort of twin peaks ishness of the show has only further driven people to, frantically rewatch every episode. Uh, if you're like me with a pen and paper trying to take notes uh, while you're Googling names that pop up on the screen and trying to like, you know, we're all playing detective basically trying to figure out what's really going on. Um, yes. And that's always good for a show, but uh, not like um, I'm with you. I didn't, this was not the show I was most excited for, but it's like, whatever, dude, we had a whole year with no MCU at all. That hasn't happened yeah. since like 2012. I'm jonesing for some Marvel. Give me whatever. Uh, and I've fallen in love with the show. Yeah. Um, it, it's done such a great job of really, I think, I think another part of it was, is that the infinity saga just wrapped up so well that mm-hmm. like when I first didn't have any Marvel, I was like, well, you know what? I mean, yeah. Right. Like, you know, the characters got an ending and it was good. And, you know, I love everybody 3000, you know, like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I felt great about it. And this show came on. Um, and it, I guess another thing is, is that, you know, I got Marvel Unlimited when uh, when we first went into lockdown. And I was just reading a bunch of stuff. And me and some buddies were, like, doing a little comic book club. And I was like, yeah, you know, this is great. And we kind of, like, fell off during the summertime. You know, we just didn't see each other as much. And watching WandaVision, I was like, oh, my, I have to read House of M again. Right. Like I have to read House of M again. This is this was like this. This is like the Scarlet Witch story that I really, really remember um, when I was reading mm-hmm. comic books like feverishly all the time. And so I was like, I got to read House of M again. And then so like I'm in the middle of that. I'm in the middle of these other like tie ins from uh, from that time period. And I, I always mark that as like something that Marvel has done really well with these movies is, is that it makes me uh, it brings out this like. Uh, this child part of me, this like kid part of me that's so intrigued by the characters, so intrigued by what's going on that I want more and more. Um, and so I'm, you know, I go back to that beginning medium for these because the show is so good. Yeah. Um, and that's the one that I, I, you know, so many things I can compliment Kevin Feige on, uh, cause he just keeps knocking it out of the park. But, uh, one of the things I love about the MCU, uh, uh, you've hinted at fantastic taking inspiration from the comics, but they never full out just do a comic story in a movie. It's always tweaked. It's always changed. It's you know adjusted to fit 
so, like, yeah, cat some of the bones and the structure are similar to the Civil War comic book, but those are two very different stories. And there's yeah. a couple, you know, shots that are taken panel for panel, you know, because you know, we're, we're paying homage to our influence, but it's its own thing. So it does a great job of twofold. One of what something like that, and, and I feel like I want to go back and read that comic again, uh, which is great. And then the added bonus, especially with a show like WandaVision, is just because I know what happens in the comics or how a character is in the comics or how a storyline played out in the comics does not mean that's what's going on in the MCU. Yes. Um, and that's that's huge because it's it's sort of that thing of, you know, adapting a novel. It's like, hey, you've read this, this book and you love it. So, you know, there's that, that catch-22 of, Am I just going because I love the story and I want to see it? Or, like, are they going to do something new to it? You know, or are they going to, like, you know, hobbit this bitch up and throw in all kinds of, you know, new stuff to it and make it a different story? It, you know, it's that, you know, we want to give you the story you That's why I'm going to just give you the same story you know. They've done a beautiful job with that with the MCU of, of taking enough inspiration from the comics that us comic nerds feel like they're being done justice, but not verbatim just viewing the comic storyline. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, um, and it's like this. That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, does I've had you yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was just wondering. Like, does the does the MCU storyline have its own Earth, like in the Marvel canon at this point, like? You know, Marvel Cannons with Earth six one six, right? Yeah, is, yeah. Is the MCU universe like six one seven? You know, like I, I just don't know. I haven't looked. You know, Don, that's a perfect segue into some spoiler territory. <laughs> uh, talking multiverses. So from this point on, if you've not watched the first five episodes of WandaVision, just turn us off because we're just going to talk spoilers yeah. and ruin everything for you. Um, so here's your warning. This is it. Here we go. Uh. You know what? It, I don't know if the MCU has it. Uh, holy shit! Uh, that that last moment of episode five. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, like. Uh, yeah. Dude, I was okay. I, I don't. I don't have as like bold of reactions for shows and movies as I used to. Right? Like I used yeah. to just be like, "Whoa, what? No way!" Right? Um, you know, if you haven't watched Endgame at this point, shame on you. But I just have to say. Uh, the best moment for me, hands down, when, when Captain America picked up Mjolnir, I stood up in the theater. Um, I, I, I couldn't contain myself. I was that excited. And mm. so the ending of episode five, I was similarly excited. Alyssa, was, my wife, was not at home. And I was just like, <laughs> what? What? And so she comes back in. She's picking up, picking dinner for us. And I was like, this means too much. Like, yeah, there's... There's too many things that this could mean, and I need I, I, I need more right away, you know? Yeah, uh, with one simple appearance, they have literally broken uh, everything we knew, uh, shattered everything we thought we knew. Uh, and first of all, props to them for pretty much keeping it a secret. I think some websites, like, accidentally guessed that that might happen. Anyone flat out called this shot, um, and this was a big one. Um I didn't mean to get it so early in the show, but fuck it, we're doing it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Wanda opens it. We, we've been hinting at Pietro for like 
two or three episodes, you know, references to, I had a twin, I had a brother. Uh, so they, they've been planting that seed in the back of your head. And the, the way they handle it is perfect. You know, the doorbell rings. I didn't do that, she claims. Um, gets up to the door. We see the back of the head and silver hair. And we're all like, oh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's coming back. Hey, look at that. It's Patreon. And then we cut to the reverse angle. And we're like, huh? Right. We all became <laughs> Tim Mallon for a minute. We all just huh? Uh, <laughs> that's not Aaron Taylor Johnson. Uh, that's Evan Peters. What the hell's he doing here? And it's 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 like I've had so many friends ask me about this because I'm like the go-to nerd guy uh, for a lot of some of this stuff. And it's like you know, I'll tell them like you know, well, I can I can tell you how that happened in the comics, or I can tell you how that played out in the comics, but that doesn't mean it translates here. And then like I'm also a movie nerd, so it's like all of that knowledge was built up against me because I'm like, it really doesn't exist anymore. Uh, that whole universe is done and over with. Like, literally, if you go to Disney+, Plus, they call them Marvel Legacy movies. Like, they don't want you to confuse them for real Marvel movies anymore. Like, no, it's over and done with. That's what put to bed. And you all in five years. Uh, all that working directly against me because... Fox X-Men universe just walked into the MCU this week. Okay. Uh, and the the ramifications, not just for this story, but for what that means for Marvel, I cannot under or overestimate. Like, it, it's huge. It is huge. Uh, and I guess for, for the sake of Wanda, her brother is back now, sort of. How do you play that out? Like, where do we think that's going? Episode, episode six, where do we think Pietro is going to affect all this? Does, is, and I, 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 I don't think, because I've heard a lot of theories about, oh, it's a scroll, or, uh, oh, it's, it's, uh, they, they conjured him up from, from magic to, cause, to, to, uh, distract Wanda. Uh, like, I've heard a lot of, like, it's not really what you think it is theories. Uh, and all of those, I'm going to say, no, no, it's definitely what we think it is. Uh, someone went through and watched the episode with the, um, descriptive dialogue turned on. And, and when they cut to that shot, it literally describes, uh, and like, you know, the creepy Gladys robot voice, uh, <laughs> Quicksilver from the X-Men films appears at the door. It's like, no, it's definitely him. <laughs> I, I don't know. Cause it's so weird. There's so it, it Vision doesn't recognize him, which people have pointed out. Well, he wouldn't because he only knew Aaron Taylor Johnson's version. But at the same time, Vision says he doesn't remember anything before Westview. So would he even remember what Pietro looks like at all? I don't know. Wanda has her brother back, but is he still going to have his memories from the X-Men universe? It, it looks like they've put some weird, like, because everyone in the show gets their personality kind of rewritten when they come in the show. Is there going to be seeing where Vision, like, forehead taps him and, like, his real personality comes out? And he starts spewing stuff like, where's Professor X? What's going on? I I, I don't know. I got, I got nothing. Yeah, I mean, the implications for what comes next on that uh, that appearance alone are so large. I mean, I haven't been this excited about the next episode of something in a minute. Um, because it, 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 
it begs the question at that point of how much multiverse are we going to get as well? So um, is it we're connected to just the X-Men Earth? Do we, do we have, you know, does this open us up to what the Doctor Strange film is going to be? Um, you know, who's going to appear at this point? Are we going to have a James McAvoy, Charles Xavier? Are we going to have, you know, could they get Patrick Stewart some sort of way? Like, I want it all. I want everything. Um, and I want to know right away, you know. Uh, yeah. It, it it gave that comic book feel of, like, leaving me with a cliffhanger that left me with so many questions that I need I need more, you know. Uh, yeah, no, that's the perfect way to describe that. It, it, it's the last panel of a comic book where you flip the page and like, you're supposed to be dead. What are you doing here? Like, you know, it, it's that, hey, better come back next month. Find out what happened. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's the perfect, you're right, perfect comic cliffhanger. Uh, it, it makes me, so I, this is what I was thinking about this morning. Because yeah. um, uh, So I'm rereading re House of M and you know, House of M has it has a few parallels. Um, House of M, because I I just really couldn't recall, really actually follows Wolverine around. So if it's been a long time since you've read it, um, Wolverine's really your main driver for the story because he you know wakes up in the House of M universe, but he remembers his whole life, um, and so he remembers everything that happened before. And then um, he ends up meeting a, a mutant, um, and I don't even know if she has a name at this point, but she can wake people back up. So she had accidentally woken up Luke Cage and he's aware of what's going on. And then they go and wake up Emma Frost. And that's actually where I, I left off. So I'm right in the middle of it. Um, but I mean, there's so many other people involved in House of M. You know, you're still kind of like parsing out as you read through it. Like, who's really the antagonist here? Um, is, is Wanda the, you know, is Wanda the antagonist when you're reading through House of M? Or is it that Magneto really convinced her? Or, you know... Uh, is it everybody else's fault for really wanting to kill Wanda in the first place because she's, you know, messing up the whole reality of everything. And so it made me ask the question as well is, is within WandaVision is Wanda the antagonist here? You know, we really got some, some clues to that, right? Like when she comes outside of the, the hex, uh, you know, she's got her, um, she's got her Sokovian accent again. She seems very upset that everyone is, is disturbing her, experiment if you wanted to call it that and so is wanda the antagonist is someone manipulating wanda i have so many questions as well all right all right all right i'm gonna use the uh the word you're never supposed to use in a podcast we're gonna unpack that for a minute because there's a lot in there uh, um back up so the the accent thing um so i rewatched episodes four and five like, like three times last night um because so I just kept watching him again. As soon as Wanda walks out and starts using her accent again, that like for me was like that's weird. Why would why would we do that? Uh, and I went back through the other episodes and I'm like, I don't recall her ever like literally since. Age of Ultron kind of degrades movie by movie by movie to like you get to Endgame and there's zero accent at all. There's none. We dropped it. Right. But the inherent nature of WandaVision, the first two episodes are pretty much completely in the hex. 
no accent, which, okay, you could write that off. You know, nobody has accents because that's, you know, the age old uh, uh, thing with, you know, you cast a British actor to play an American and you're like, better day Cumberbatch can't use his real voice because he's got to be an American. Uh, like, you because know, one of the things WandaVision does that I love is they poke fun at like TV tropes. So I was like, okay, maybe we're just writing that off as she ditched her accent because American TV, everyone speaks with an American accent. Uh, Then we, so uh, that combined with a couple other things we learn in episode five. First we see, uh, and and we learn as well as most of the characters in the show learn, Wanda supposedly broke into S.W.O.R.D. headquarters, and don't worry, we're going to get to S.W.O.R.D. in a minute, um, broke into S.W.O.R.D. headquarters and stole Vision's body. Later in the the episode, it, Wanda has one line that I think is really important, where her it's where Vision's finally confronting her about what's going on. He won't let her just like smooth over the cracks and forget about it. And she says, "I don't remember how all this started." Those yeah. combined with her accent suddenly showing back up. And granted, upon rewatch, it's more subtle than I remember it being the first time, but I think it was so jarring because there's been no accent at all for so long that even a little bit of it coming back was a big deal. And this could be crazy tinfoil hat theory. Was that really Wanda? With the accent walking out. Did one, if she doesn't remember how this started, we only see, you know, crappy security cam footage. Was somebody, scroll, uh, impersonating Wanda and broke into S.W.O.R.D. to set all this up? Is that why Wanda doesn't remember how this started? Because she didn't start it? Yeah. I don't have an answer. I'm just putting questions out in the air. Oh, no. See, I I agree there because I think that my, this is, this is, you know, uh, my tinfoil hat theory is... Somebody wants somebody wants Vision particularly to you know do some type of computational thing that they want, and I, I really think that that's that's got something to do with what's going on, right? His day job, um, right? You know, his day job where they're like crunching these numbers, they're having Vision do something, and they were like, the only way we could get Vision back is by using Wanda. So we'll trick Wanda into doing this. We use vision to, I don't know, is it a multiverse thing? Is it a uh, recreation of, of of one of the Infinity Stones? Whatever that happens to be, because I, I my theory is is that Wanda's not the antagonist here, and that there's something more sinister. What ex- what exactly it is, I have no idea. So it may not even be about Wanda. It may be about Vision. I, like I mean that. both. Yeah, like both of them to a certain degree, right? Like, because you, could, no, cause you couldn't do it. Yeah, there's there's a joke in like the second episode, I think maybe when you see him at work and he's like, "What do we do here?" Yes, <laughs> we crunch numbers. Yeah, but what do we do? Uh, and every time we see him at work, they they comment about how great Vision is at his job and how great he is at it. You know, Lil, it was the company's called Computational Inc. or something like that. Yeah, like that's just that you know we're not given anything, so. No, I like that. Maybe it's it's not necessarily about uh, Wanda so much as it is about Vision. Because again, uh, they have kids, which we can get into in a minute. But in, in the comics, at least, and again, that doesn't mean it's the way it'll play on the MCU. But in in the comics, when they have kids, the kids end up being, if I remember correctly, because this has been retconned a few times, they're synthesoids 
that have a soul. Could it be someone literally trying to and and hear me out on this? Because uh, I'm 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 tinfoil hatting again. Someone trying to take the next step forward in in artificial intelligent kind of stuff. So it's we want to take Wanda's powers and use that to create new synthesoids based on Vision, who was the most advanced at the time, but now maybe the kids are. Combined with you know the power of an Infinity Stone, a la Wanda. I don't want to give up on the beekeeper suit reference. So ah, thank if... you for saying it because that's exactly where I was. I was like, yes. What absolutely. if this is all being done by AIM? Yes. Who we uh, haven't seen since Iron Man three, right? And a hopefully a better version. Um, well, we finally got a beekeeper suit, so yes. more accurate depiction than Iron Man three. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's that. That's definitely one of my theories. Um, I know that the, like the Mephisto theory is definitely out there, and it totally makes sense as far as how chaotic this is. Um, it's just in the back of my mind, I'm like, they can't do Mephisto in the MCU. But I'm like, they did Dormammu. Excuse me, I'm sorry. The Dread Dormammu in, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> in the MCU. <laughs> so why not? Um, but I, I almost... I don't know why I have this like love for AIM and Hydra in a weird way. Maybe it's because, you know, I'm a big Captain America fan and he fights them all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But I really want it to be AIM. Look, I really want it to be AIM because they completely fucked up AIM in the MCU. Um, it was an interesting way to start AIM, but literally. Since Iron Man 3, we've not heard a single reference to AIM existing at. I still think it was them. And she. Well, I lost you there. Let's see if I can move around. Don? There you are. Okay. Um, no, I was like. Uh, <clears throat> I want to see AIM come back because they, we never really got a proper AIM. And I, I still, one of the biggest missteps, in my opinion, still with the MCU is getting rid of S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA altogether in the second Captain America movie. There's just so many plot lines and story potential with those two companies or whatever they are, agencies. Um, so AIM was kind of like, okay, well, we HYDRA's gone and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s gone, but AIM could come back. Uh, so like maybe this is finally in because again, uh, I think they're starting to realize no, we, we kind of need those agencies for future stories. I feel like Sword is becoming the surrogate shield now, yeah. Um, because what they're doing with Sword in this is not Sword stuff, it's straight up shield shit. Yes. Uh, you know, Sword or space cops out in a floating space station, they don't give a shit about what's happening on Earth, that's shield job. Um, but yeah. I, I don't want to give up on the idea. I, I, I maybe it is aim. I don't know, but uh, you brought the Mephisto thing up. Do we think Disney Marvel is doing the devil, right? I mean, that is. <laughs> I feel like that's sort of like dangerous territory, right? Because you um, sometimes touching on the religious can really spark a lot of uh, controversy. So that's why I think. Um, I'm less inclined to believe that it's a Mephisto. Um, but at the same time, I mean, Mephisto's, you know, an antagonist for Scarlet Witch enough in the comic books. 
um, that it would definitely make sense. Uh, I don't know. I, I think if they do it, because uh, they've already had to kind of tiptoe around stuff. Like, you know, we, we don't refer to Thor as the god of thunder much at yeah. all anymore. Uh, was it right and wrong to keep calling him the Lord of Thunder? Fuck you, he's a god. Um, <laughs> they they call him a demigod a couple times. Which I'm like, look up the definition of demigod, guys. It's he's he's not it. He's he's full on god. Um, but we've tiptoed around that. So Mephisto's already in the proper Marvel, kind of like one step away from being Satan. Yeah. Um, he's he's not Lucifer. He's Mephisto. He doesn't rule hell. He rules a hell-like dimension. <laughs> like, they've already kind of stepped the character away from that a bit. I can see them just, just taking that another step further and be like, I'm Mephisto. I rule over this other dimension. I'm uber-powerful. Kind of like uh, an equivalent to, like, Hela in Ragnarok, where right. they don't really reference the fact that Hela in mythology and the comics rules hell, H-E-L. Yeah. Uh, the, the underworld for uh, um, uh, Norse mythology. Uh, we just didn't mention that. Um, so I feel like you could you could parse it down enough to make him. Uh, did you ever watch Star Trek: Next Generation? Do you remember uh, uh, the character Q, who would just show up and 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 mess with everything and then leave? So I no, I didn't watch enough Star Trek. Okay, that. okay. Uh, well, Q was this like uber powerful other dimensional being. Uh, okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm gonna use DC to explain Marvel. You know, Mr. <laughs> Mixel Pixel. Oh, yeah, that guy, Pixie, yes, from DC, <laughs> yes. who's like a fifth dimension imp who just shows up, ruins Superman's day, leaves again, yeah. like just comes up, alters reality, fucks <laughs> with Superman, leaves again. Yeah, I could see them doing kind of that with Mephisto, but a bit more sinister. Of he's uber powerful. Um, because again, there's enough stuff there to kind of support that theory, which is why I love the show. Is is lots of theories have tons of evidence that could support them, so everything's kind of valid right now. Um, Agnes, who I know we'll get into more, uh, is definitely I think working for somebody. I don't think it's herself. I think she's an agent of somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mephisto thing again. They're pushing Wanda and Vision to have these kids. Who wants these kids? If we're using the comics as a springboard, originally it was Mephisto, who who the kids were literally pieces of his soul. He basically made Horcruxes yeah. out of Wanda and Vision's kids, um, which gets into whole comic booky stuff storylines later down the road. Um, but I don't know why he would want uh, synthoid magic kids. I don't know. Um, but he's somebody in the MCU who would have the juice to kick this off. Mm-hmm. to impersonate Wanda, break Vision's body out, set up this dome city to to influence Wanda to set every uh, all this stuff up cuz she says herself in the last episode you think I'm controlling everybody all the time? Like so I think that's it's a big thing is I don't think Wanda is fully in control of everything and I don't think she's fully aware of what she is and isn't in control of. She can definitely alter stuff around her. We know that. Yeah. And she definitely knows this isn't real. But to what degree she knows that, I don't know. So I, I think I don't think she created it. I don't think she started it. I think somebody else did. And who in the MCU would have the juice to kick that off? Mephisto fits the bill. Um, we might have seen him in this last episode. I know there's a lot of people saying it's it's Ralph, uh, Agnes's husband she talks about, but isn't around. I've got another theory for Ralph. But I think maybe 
the mailman from this last episode, who's literally in one shot. Uh, when the kids are looking for the dog, and he turns and says, don't worry, kids, your mom won't let him get far, and just kind of, like, smiles at Wanda and walks off again. Because uh, it's now, like, you're good. Oh, what did you, what did you say before Ralph? Oh, no, just the conversation where, uh, where Wanda and Vision are talking, and she's like, what do you think that I'm, you know, controlling everybody and making sure, and she gives these details that made me believe that she's actually doing that. Um, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Because she gives like such, such, you know, uh, excruciating details that she's like making sure they get to their dentist appointments on time. And I'm like, yes, you, you are, right? Like, that's why you would mention that sort of thing. That was what I picked mm-hmm. up from that. Uh, as opposed to, like, I think that she's, I think that someone has given her the option to do this, right? Okay. Like, someone kind of presented this idea that, like, hey, like, you could do this. Um, and is and is using that uh, for their own gain, but I think that she is in control of it in a lot of ways, right? Like that's what uh, that's what Monica mentioned as well, right? Like she when she first comes out of it, she's like, "It's Wanda, it's all Wanda, um, it's all Wanda." Yeah. Um, well, let's back up a sec then and talk about Wanda and what she can and can't do. Um, and again. In the comics, she is just off the charts power level. I mean, she she spoke three words and 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 made mutants disappear. She is killed and brought back Avengers in the same comic, just by her will alone. Um, I really think, at least in part, and and, and initially my thought was Wanda's doing this and she's not aware she's doing it because. She's exhibiting powers in this we've never seen her use before. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know, and I don't think she's fully aware of how much her powers have expanded. Yes. I think it's a, a matter of, because she gets her powers from the Mind Stone in the MCU. We've seen her use that in sort of obvious ways of getting in people's heads and messing with it which this last episode told us pretty emphatically, no, that's not what's happening. It's not all a giant force projection. Uh, mm-hmm. It's real. It's tangible. Um, and we've seen her move stuff with her mind, which we see her do a bunch in, in, in this show too, but we've never seen her do until now, is conjure things out of thin air. Which she's done multiple times across this show. It's just literally like, a la bewitched, you know, she, she snaps her fingers and something shows up out of, you know, it wasn't there before, now it's here. Uh, well, in the comics, she can kind of shuffle reality to a degree mm-hmm. because she's got the hex magic thing going on. I think what's happening is, at least to some degree, because of what happened with the snap and Thanos and all that, I think her powers are expanding, and I don't think she realizes it. Uh, again, to a to a degree, I, I don't think she's even fully aware of how much she can really do now. Mm-hmm. Which is why, and then it ties back into the thing we started with, uh, with, with Pietro, is I, because I know a lot of people have said somebody else sent Pietro into the, to distract her, and that kind of holds water, but I think Wanda unconsciously did it. And I think she unconsciously did, or subconsciously did it, over a couple of episodes. Like, talking about Pietro and missing him, we've had that sprinkled through a few episodes now. And I think it's one of those things where 
I can't bring him back, but she wants him back so badly. She's ripped a hole in the multiverse and pulled a Pietro, Pietro out yeah. of the multiverse because she misses him so bad. And she, you know, the the knock on or the doorbell rings. She said, I didn't do that. I think she did do that. Not to steal Steve Urkel's line. Uh, you did do that, but I don't <laughs> think you knew you did that. Yeah, I can see that too. I think what they're doing is powering her up to more where she is in the comics. Because uh, if you go back and look at interviews of Joss Whedon when they were making uh, Age of Ultron, he he says, like, we had to kind of water down Scarlet Witch a bit because uh, her powers in the comics are a little weird and wonky and, you know, off the charts. And so we, we limited her to telekinesis and, and te- uh, telepathy, yeah. which worked fine for the MCU up until now, but think now we're starting to expand her powers to the level they were in the comics and this is all at least in part because she's doing it subconsciously and doesn't realize to the full degree what she's doing kind of like uh when she says no more mutants and and mutants suddenly lose the i don't think she knew in that moment exactly what the ramifications of that would be but again in the comics uh like two thirds of the mutant population just lost their powers. Yeah, there's and only what, uh, like eighty or something left. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, uh, and then no new mutants were born for something like five years in the comics, which in comics is fucking ridiculously long time. Because oh there was a whole gosh. Messiah thing when they, when they finally had a new mutant born again. Mm. Um, she kills off the Avengers and then realizes what she did and feels bad about it and literally just out of sheer will resurrects Hawkeye because she feels bad about it. Like Again, this is all in the comics. That's the level of power we're talking about with Wanda. Mm -hmm. You always get the sense she's never fully in control of it. And uh, so this has me thinking as well because they uh, this is a new Avengers comic and I don't remember which which issues. Um, But after House of M, you know, when she does the No More Mutants thing, the new Avengers have to uh-huh. face a foe from space, and it is the amalgamation of all of those powers that people had lost. Oh, all shit. those mutant powers that were lost are like become this like amalgam uh, extraterrestrial that is like threatening the Earth. And I don't, you know, it's been so long since I read that story. It's in the basement, and uh, <laughs> I can pull it back <laughs> out. It's just, but we were just talking about that because I thought something else that they that was interesting was was that, you know. Um, the way everything is there, Wanda is adapting the matter that is around her, right? So, um, you know, Monica's outfit, you know, like she realizes it's bulletproof because she went in there wearing Kevlar. And even though it turned into this like weird, you know, like seventies thing, uh, she comes back out and she can shoot it and the, the, you know, the bullets don't go through. So what does that mean for so many of the things that are in, side of the hex right Mm -hmm. is it is it also whoever's manipulating if if somebody is manipulating we still don't really know that yet like do they want wanda to create something is that why we're going through time so kind of quickly um is we're kind of like leading towards this something right Uh um because we've had references to weapons and uh things of that sort in almost every one of these commercials right Uh, okay Let's dig into the commercials. Uh, 
because this is my first idea with the commercials is it's someone's way of trying to because they're commercials subliminally influence Wanda mm-hmm. because that's what a commercial is. It's trying to subliminal sub. It's trying to <laughs> influence you without you knowing it. You see the commercial, like wow, that soda looks good. Let's go get some. Or you know, next time you're at the store, you think of that commercial and you buy that soda. Like that's what a commercial does. It's there right. to influence your unconscious mind into wanting that product. So with that in mind, I was like, okay, I think these commercials are commercials that, because they, they always end the episode with them watching TV. I think the commercials are someone trying to influence Wanda into what they want. But the more I dug into what's actually in the commercials, because the first two kind of led me to that. There's, the, I think, the second one. or the, One of them said, uh, forget your past, this is the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I keyed off that line big time. But now that we've had several of them, if you track them, they follow the chronology of Wanda's path through the MCU. So the first one is the toaster, which is yeah. the big old 60s toaster from Stark Tech, where you push the button down and you hear the repulsor queue up on the toaster and the little red right light goes off. And the rest of that commercial is us standing there waiting for the toast to pop out, and it never does. Mm-hmm. Wanda's origin. Yep. Their house was bombed. A stark emblazoned bomb falls in there. They wait for two days for the bomb to go off. It never does. Seems like too much of a coincidence for that to happen. The next one is the Strucker watch. Uh, where it's like, he'll make time for you or something like that. Yeah. The next step on their path is meeting Strucker and becoming Hydra agents and volunteering for the program. The next mm-hmm. commercial after that is the Hydra Soak. Yes. So they're full-on Hydra agents now. Um, shit, I'm forgetting one. Yeah, that's what I... Because the, the latest one is Lagos. And yes, that's what I was which trying is, to remember. There's right, one in between they... there, and I can't think of... No, there isn't one in between there, because that episode was different. We there we go. Something different. Okay, so the yeah. fourth commercial we've seen then is the Lago, Lagos paper towels for cleaning up the mess you didn't mean to make, uh, or whatever they phrase it as, which is clearly, obviously, a reference to in Lagos when she's trying to send the explosion up and it misguides and hits the building. Yep. Uh, is there a significance of that? I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that so far they're all following the path of, of her journey through the MCU, so I guess the next one after that would be Losing Vision? Yeah. Uh, or fighting against Vision in Civil War? I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's, also, either, yeah. it's either going to be that, it's going to be, you know, it could be, you know, the end of um, Age of Ultron with, uh, what's the name of? Sokovia, there we go. Yeah, and there the, you uh, go. I don't know, what did they call that weapon? The space, I mean, it ended up being like a huge jackhammer, right? Um, the yeah the uh, Ultron uh, floaty city bomb thing yeah that that that, that thing yeah um yeah I, I don't know uh, if that's the path we're taking it'd be interesting to explore and we kind of got this a little bit with um, uh, Monica Rambo's episode Wanda was blipped away and then came back. Yeah. Someone with her power set, what was that like? 
Was she aware of what was happening when she got blipped away? I don't know. I'm just putting questions out in the ether. Uh, oh, no. Because I, I, I can... Because that, that's, that's great, though. Because when you think about Wanda's moment in Endgame, right? Like, if you... If she had been just like Monica, she would have been, like, sort of disoriented. And she just would have been, you know, I guess angry about Vision. But, I mean, for her, it had been an hour, right? Of time. Yeah. But she says, you took everything from me. Like, she is very clearly... You know, it seems like she's been upset for a long time about it, right? She's upset as we have been for a long period of time, even though for her it's been an hour. I don't know. Uh, but that's the fun of this, is just uh, making guesses. Yeah. But yeah, the commercials. Uh, they've got to be there for a reason. I don't know what it is. Uh, and the actress that's in the commercials, mm-hmm. right? She's the same one every time. Yeah, um, the guy and the girl. Yeah. Are there was just... a theory that um, those actors are actually her parents. Because we've never oh, seen her parents. Oh, that's Which I, I thought we were going to have confirmed in the last episode when they gave us like, okay, here's the background on Wanda. Uh, and they, they mention her parents. And I was like, okay, here's going to be the stock photo of the family. And we'll see them revealed as the, and then nothing. So I don't know. I thought I thought that's where we were going with with part of that briefing, but uh, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's Mephisto. Could be. I don't know. But uh, yeah, then, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I got I got I got fucking notes. Uh, it's it's so many questions, and and what I love about the show is. They're doing a really good job of answering enough of your questions so you're not just getting super frustrated with it. It's not like lost territory where we're just throwing out questions because we don't have a plan. The writers definitely know what's happening. We're definitely building towards something. Uh, we may not have every question answered, but we'll get you know the majority of them answered, I feel like. Um, what have we not addressed yet? This is what happens uh, when- uh, when I don't take notes before a show. <laughs> so, uh, so I still have some questions with uh, Monica Rambo. You know, she got yeah. the X-ray. Was that was this in episode four or five, where she gets the X-ray? Was, I think it was the start of five. And you know, it's it's all lit up like it's very clear that like something either there's no room for something to have gone wrong with the X-ray machine, right? So, well, and they they say it's blank uh, when they. Uh, Darcy walks in and looks at it and says, oh, this is blank. And she says, yeah, we got to do this again. Uh, and then she says, we need more blood. And, and Monica says, no, you're good. Yeah. So I, I want to know what's going on there um, because there's clearly something deeper there as well. She's um, also that... not very happy to hear the name Captain Marvel. Yes. And I also want to know what's up with that. Because in my mind, they're like, that's her idol, right? At yeah. Least that's what I would think. And the last time we saw her, it sure was. When she was a kid in the 90s. Yeah. Um, no, like, and again, that's why I love the show. There's a couple ways they could go. Um, the one way, and, and I don't know if I agree with it or not, but it kind of makes sense, 
is the scroll theory, which I feel like from now until Secret Invasion, uh, every Marvel thing is going to have a scroll theory because uh, we're just waiting for that reveal to pop up somewhere. Oh, that somebody was a scroll the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm so excited for anybody to be a scroll though because <laughs> I, I got to be, you know, the scr- Secret Invasion was that time when like. Me and you and our buddies in college, we were we had like every Marvel comic coming out, you know. So yeah, it was just like I remember like reading back through things that were like five years old to be like, oh, this is happening, this is happening. I don't know if you remember, but I was I was the one who was like, dude, it's Spider Woman. That's who it is. That's what that's what this whole <laughs> thing is. Uh, which was weird that I was that that actually ended up being it. Um, but I really kind of hope. That uh, that they've sprinkled the the scrolls throughout. Um, well, you know what it's going to be, Don. Now, uh, Jennifer Gardner is going to show back up as Elektra uh, and get killed, and then turn into a scroll. Man, you know what? <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, the actress from Daredevil season two. I don't know. Um, that was no, uh, like. So if she is a scroll, at what point did she become a scroll? Is the question. Uh, everything we've seen that leads to maybe she is comes from after she gets kicked out of Westview. So maybe she's still in Westview, really. And what came out isn't really her. It's a scroll because they yeah. they take the X-ray and it's blank. After she comes out, they ask for more bloods so that they've got her blood on file before. But from that point on, she won't let them take it. They mentioned Captain Marvel. She makes an ugly face because maybe she's a bad guy scroll. And the scrolls who are bad guys don't like Captain Marvel. Right. This could all be bullshit. I don't know. But enough things kind of click into place if you think about it in that terms. And, and I mean, uh, what I don't better know. time for the scrolls to invade secretly than the snap? Yeah. I mean, what if this would be insane, but what if everybody who's been snapped back is actually a scroll with the memories of that human dude get out of my head <laughs> that occurred to me at work the other night and i was like i need to write this down because <laughs> what so we know there's a secret invasion series coming i think like next year or two years from now uh, with Nick Fury, so we're going to address the scroll invasion thing at some point. I assume is what Secret Invasion the show was about, and and Kevin Feige said it needed to be done as a show because there was a lot of story to tell. Cool. I think us fans who read Secret Invasion are all waiting for our spaceship landing in Central Park moment, where if you haven't read the storyline, a spaceship crashes in Central Park. The Avengers go out to see what's going on. The ship opens up. They get ready for battle and out walks a whole bunch of Marvel characters who've died off over the last 20, 30 years who haven't aged at all. Yeah. And they're like, hey, what's up? It's us. And they're like, you're all supposed to be dead. What are you doing here? So, like, we're all waiting for that moment, which is like when I heard them. The rumor of Chris Evans coming back for something in the MCU, like, that's going to be it. Cap's going to walk off. It's going to be young Cap again. Where he's like, no, I'm the real Steve. And I'll be like, what? Right. Or, you know, Tony Stark's going to walk out and be like, no, I'm alive. And we're all going to be like, huh? Like, we're all waiting for that kind of bombshell moment. Uh, and I, I, again, 
the way the MCU works is we don't ever directly adapt stuff from the comics. We just take the idea and make it work for us. So in the MCU, what would be bigger than, hey, all these people you thought we got back aren't really themselves. Right. I mean, from a pure chaos wreak havoc on everything we knew moment, I can't top that. At all. If you sit down and try to plot the uh, what the ramifications of that are, I don't know. Spider-Man would be a scroll. Um, T'Challa would be a scroll. Right. That could be huge. Uh, I, I. Oh man, I. I don't. I don't. You'd really have to sit down with a full-on writer's room and plot out what that would mean for everybody in the MCU. But man, would that be huge? Well, what I mean, the Wasp. Uh, Hank Pym and Janet are all scrolls as well. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, everybody uh, except the original Avengers. Yeah. Uh, two of which are well, one's dead and one's we'll say out of commission. Yeah. Um. um yeah, I uh, I've got a lot of questions. Um, and. I'm excited to see because I'm gonna I'm gonna do the thing that I do and read through all of House of M and all of the tie-ins, um, and I think what's I think what's been cool for me is is that you can start to see where some of the characters that we we've loved for a long time that haven't been part of the MCU will kind of like fit in at some point, uh-huh. um, and maybe hopefully even see some like different things. I was thinking about this earlier when I was showering. I was like, you know, as much as I love. Charles Xavier and Magneto's relationship. I think we've had enough of it on film at this point. And however the X-Men get brought in, I really hope to see, and Wolverine for that matter, I really hope to see some more of the relationship dynamics with those characters. Um, I would also love to see, you know, like like if Holly Berry's Storm came back, that would be really exciting to me. Or, uh... I, uh... I'm going to give a hot take here. I don't want to see the X-Men. You don't want them at all? I don't care. I, I look, the Fox franchise beat me down so badly with, with uh, zigging when I thought it should have zagged and like giving me hope of maybe we'll get back to the X-Men. I know, but never quite doing it like that tease at the end of, um, was it apocalypse or days of future past where we see all the X-Men in their 90s era-esque suits and i'm like oh this is awesome and then the next movie ignores that completely like every time we kind of got her back around to being the x-men of my childhood that i want to see on screen they then go the opposite direction i don't fucking care about the x-men right now i don't care in fact x-men are are storyline poison to me sorry (laughs) So here's here is here is my tip, and this is this is for anyone. I have not seen any of the uh, Fox X Men films after the Wolverine, or not the Wolverine, uh, whichever one. Which what was the last one? Was the last well, one? The Wolverine? There's X Men Origins Wolverine. There's the Wolverine, and then there's Logan. Logan. That's it. That's the last yeah. one I watched. So I watched. I didn't even. So to say this, I I didn't watch any of the mainline X Men films after Days of Future Past. I thought Days of Future Past was a great way for them to send those characters off. Don, that's um, a great place to stop in that it, in that it, series. 
<laughs> and that's that's what I've learned. Like every time I hear the reviews and whatnot, I'm like, because uh, to me, Marvel Marvel at its beginning for me is the X Men and Spider Man, right? And like, Blade. So, so, yeah, absolutely. And Blade. Well, but I'm saying like from my <laughs> from my personal like watching right. cartoons and getting to read comic books okay, that my cousins okay. have. That's my origin, and so like the X Men are very like near and dear to me, and especially the the dynamic of like telling a civil rights story through like superheroes is so cool to me. Um, so when I saw that they were basically not going to continue to tell that story because they kind of like get into it in Days of Future Past, and I think that that's great. Uh, when they decided to make an apocalypse film, when they decided to make another Dark Phoenix film, I was like. Unless these get good reviews, I don't need to follow you down this road. Um, and I'm glad I haven't. I feel like everyone who's watched those films has become even more disappointed with the with Fox's well, franchise. So, and I, sorry. Oh, I don't need to go. Go ahead. Go ahead. The X Men franchise is really interesting to look at in a a timeline of pop culture. When the first X Men movie came out in 2000, we were only two years removed from Batman and Robin. Wow. That was the mindset of here's what a comic book movie is. Batman and Robin with George oh. Clooney. Oh, gosh. Two years later, which means a year later we were in production on X-Men. So that first movie had a lot of heavy lifting to do in terms of getting audiences to take comic book characters, especially the X-Men, who are inherently batshit crazy and all dressed in spandex in bright colors. Yeah. And take them seriously. And endless kudos to that first movie for going, steering away from comic book superheroes and steering into sci-fi. Because yeah. I would I would argue that first X-Men movie has more to do with a science fiction movie than it does a comic book superhero movie. Uh, everything from like, okay, they're all wearing black leather suits. They're not going to have spandex. And we make a joke about that. You know, Cyclops. What do you prefer? Yellow spandex? Um, endless kudos to that cast everyone who was involved in that they got people to if nothing else take the genre seriously as the genre of comic book movies in the early 2000s took off before we quite got to the MCU because the MCU proved there's nothing too out there for audiences to take if you right. do it properly if you treat the source with respect and adapt what people like about it Literally, we all cried in the theater when a talking tree died and his foul-mouthed raccoon buddy held his twig in his hands. Right. They got us to cry. At that point in time, there is nothing too out there for comic book movies to do. However, the X-Men franchise never shifted out of early 2000s. We can't give them colorful costumes. We can't do storylines. Oh, that's too crazy for the comics. They can't go into space to meet the Star Jammers. We can't do that. That's too crazy. Right. We can't, like, no, 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 no. Yes, you can. So even when we get to, like, Logan, which I fucking hated. Uh, I know, hot take. I'm alone on that one. Um, what? Even when we get, yeah, I know. Even when we get to stuff like Apocalypse, we're stuck in that early 2000s aesthetic of because it was done by Brian Singer. Uh, we can't yeah. be too over the top. We can't be too colorful. We can't be, and it ends up being boring. What would have worked great, like X Men Apocalypse, if that had come out in like 2004, would have blown everyone's mind. But it came out in like 
2014. And at that point, we're like, yeah, we're like two Avengers movies in. Can you guys keep up? Like, right. we've gotten this already. Um, I think that's the biggest issue with that franchise is it just it never shifted gears with the time. Um, and, and it got to the point where, like, I don't care anymore. You've, you've Even within their own Fox X-Men timeline, we rebooted the timeline. We took a franchise. It was great. We ran it into the ground. We resurrected it with First Class and X-Men Days of Future Past. And then, like, one movie later, ran it back in the ground. Yeah, I... So and... I don't care about the X-Men. If we don't get them for another 10 years, I'll be fine. The MCU is too great as it is. Don't make this Mortal Kombat Annihilation where you're just stuffing characters in because people <laughs> want to see a character. Uh, you, here's a better contemporary example. Gambit from uh, Wolverine Origins. Does anyone like that version of Gambit? No. But y'all <laughs> bitched about wanting Gambit so much, they finally gave you Gambit in a fucking movie. And you go, are you happy with the Gambit you got? No. No, you're not. <laughs> so take all your Wolverine casting theories and your who's going to play. Shut the fuck up. The MCU was perfect. Just leave it alone. You're trying to break it. Uh, so sorry, sorry. I'm gonna go hyperventilate into a bag now. Oh, you're no, you're good. You're good. I think um, I think any time that that the X Men stray too far from uh, from that original premise, um, and this is this is gonna kind of get into some of my uh, my Paragon theories on you know superhero archetypes, uh-huh. and I think any time that deep. yeah, any time the X Men really get too far away from that, um. That's sort of like civil rights um, motif in a way. I think that that's when it gets bad. In, just in, that's just in my opinion, because um, I think this is. So I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this, and then that way I'll kind of explain where I'm, where my thinking comes from. Okay. I, so I love Captain America and I love Superman, right? Like these are two of my favorite heroes. Uh, you know, Boy Scouts to the extreme, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think the best thing that they they get presented with in comic books at times is is that it's not so much that they're choosing um that they're like going up against some insurmountable odds it's instead they get asked to choose what's the most righteous thing to do um and that's when those characters really start to have like great conflict right because they're both trying to do the right thing so like for for captain america in the winter soldier it is i serve my country but it's also i protect my friends and so um, how can I do both of these when they've come into conflict, right? Like Bucky yeah. is my best friend and I said I would always protect him and I said I would also always serve my country. So what's the best thing that I can do here? And it's a great conflict for that character. Um, and so I, I always get the best thing from the X-Men when it's like, okay, how can we best be accepted into society? Um, and so is it, we're going to ram ourselves down society's throat because like we're here and we're more powerful than you. So deal with it. Or it's, we're going to help society realize that they can be helped from us in this, this grand way. Um, There's a line from the X-Men cartoon show that I feel beautifully sums up what X-Men should always be about. And, and like you said, it it strays from this and it does bad. Um, They've pledged to protect a world that hates and fears them. Yeah. That's X-Men. Yes. Uh, and uh, if 
if you're going, I mean, if you're going to introduce the X-Men in, in some sort of way, which I think would be great, right? You don't even necessarily have to like, they don't even have to be the X-Men yet, right? Like you can even give that an origin story in and of itself. Um, but you could also, you could leave the, the Xavier and Magneto relationship behind to a certain degree. Um, like when I was first reading comics again, I was actually reading through, um, what storyline is that? Now I can't remember either way. It's, it's when Cyclops is very much the leader of the X-Men at that point. Um, and it's, it takes them down to like a different road as well, because Cyclops also is like someone who has learned from both Charles Xavier and Magneto and like mm -hmm. at, at times like uses either of their belief systems to really make something new for the X-Men. And I would enjoy seeing that in an exploration of that in film. Um, but that's all. I don't know. Uh, I think especially with the social issues that are happening in America right now, I yeah. think the MCU sometimes does a great time, a great job of like, you know, covering a, a very real issue and doing it in a comic book allegory way, you know, Thor realizing that he was still worthy of Mjolnir in Endgame. Um, I think anybody who's been through depression whatsoever, like had a moment with that, right? Like it doesn't matter mm -hmm. that I have like, uh, and I know I'm going way off topic here, but it doesn't matter that I've gone through all of these different things and I'm depressed. Um, I'm still worthy of this and I'm, I can still do this. And I thought that that was a beautiful moment. So I would love to see them, do some things with the X-Men in that way. First of all, Don, it wouldn't be a, a Todd Nerd to Me podcast show if we didn't go randomly, radically off topic. Uh, <laughs> but I'm totally with you on that. Um, and here, I'll circle back around. So now we live in a world where, with a couple of exceptions, uh, like Spider-Man and Hulk, pretty much. Uh, Marvel Studios now, once again, has access to every toy in the toy box. Yeah. And we know at some point, because they like money, they're all coming. Um, yes. So, steer back into WandaVision. The question has been, for years now, since, since the whole Fox merger went through, how do you bring the X-Men into the MCU? How? We might be seeing the first steps of that in WandaVision with the, yeah. the big reveal at the end of the last episode. Again, the ramifications of that are huge if you know what you're looking at. Because going back with the, the theory I have of Wanda has accidentally cracked open a hole in the multiverse to pull a version of her brother out and come to her world because she's grieving so much, which is a total Wanda thing to do. Absolutely. I think that's setting a storyline that's going to track through Spider-Man 3. I think we're going to see that tear in reality completely wreak havoc on Spider-Man's world. Um, the world in general, but particularly Spider-Man. Uh, yes. Because as we know, um, when it rains, it rains directly on Peter Parker. <laughs> it sure that's, does. That's for sure. how Marvel works. Uh, <laughs> no matter what's happening, it's always happening to Peter Parker. Uh, yes. And we're not going to fully fix or repair that until Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which we already know will be co-starring Wanda. And they've already said, uh, we'll explain why she's called the Scarlet Witch which they've kind of dropped a little hint at in, in the in the show. Yeah. But we, through that storyline, 
this could be our first movie uh, counterpart to something like Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. Where when we fix this tear in reality and things go back to, quote, normal, it may not be the same normal as before. Yes. This might be the way we sneak mutants and the X-Men into our current reality is because of this again if if what's happening if what i think is happening is happening when when doctor strange and wanda and whoever else fix reality things may have slipped through the cracks and our new reality isn't the same as it was before we now live in a world where mutants exist and they've always been here because we've reshuffled the reality and that's how it is now in a world where the fantastic four and the baxter building's always been there yeah uh, I, uh, so I'm very interested in, in seeing the Fantastic Four, which I, I guess I will say as well, uh, I'll apologize. So the X-Men coming in is wonderful and obviously Quicksilver's there. So there's, there's some, some entry in there, but I do yeah. have to say there's two things that I really want. And it's, these are, if they're going to do a whole multiverse, they're going to bring people back. Right. Uh-huh. Um, a, if Tobey Maguire is in the next Spider-Man film, it's just pretty good chance. I like I I might have real tears. I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm not a, you know I don't get too emotional in that way at times. But I've watched Spider-Man two, or at least I did. I watched Spider-Man two all the time. It was one of my favorite movies. Um, that, and then it would be cool if we got you know uh, some of the Netflix series people in. Um, I would obviously not love to see happen. Luke. I would love to see. I'm saying this to say that would be cool. Like if John, if John, what Burnfall yeah. came in as Punisher, that would be cool and whatever else. But if we had Thomas Jane Punisher, even if he's on the screen for 27 seconds, I would have a full on freakout, man. I'm um, telling you right now, that would be insane. I quote Hawkeye, "Don't give me hope." Because <laughs> you, well, you know, of, of people oh, that I, I know, know. know. I love that Thomas Jane Punisher film so much. <laughs> uh, I do too. Look, the the, the current rumor, and I, I I put some weight behind this because I can see this is, is plausible. Um, the Netflix series uh, are dead; they're done. That being said, I think we're at the end of the two-year uh, moratorium on Marvel using those characters and those actors playing those characters. So it is entirely plausible that John Barenthal may show up in a Marvel property, whether it's a streaming series uh, or someone else's show or a movie as the Punisher. But as far as like season three of Netflix, Marvel Punisher, that's never happening, but we could see, uh, I'm blanking on the actor's name. now, Luke Cage uh, and, and uh, Danny Rand, whose actor's names I can't remember could show back up. We could see Charlie Cox show up as Matt Murdock. Uh, it, you know, the the current theories he's going to show up in uh, Spidey Three as Spider Man's lawyer as Matt Murdock, not necessarily Daredevil. Um, that would be totally plausible. That could happen. I, I think any legal uh, entanglements are now out of the way for that to happen. So p- plausible, but I don't know. And that's that's again going back to to our the one division is that's what makes that moment yes. so huge and so yes. exciting for us Uber nerds is tracking the path of what does this mean 
locations. What's on? Rumors about who's going to make a cameo appearance in Spider-Man Three. I mean, I made a joke about it when the uh, they put a um, picture of um, Tyler Holchin out in his new Superman costume for his his new uh, CW show. Yeah. And my tag at the end was, "I wonder if I'll be in Spider-Man Three because <laughs> everyone's going to be in Spider-Man. I'm going to be in Spider-Man Three. Uh, spoiler." Uh, I, I'll uh, actually be playing a version of Eddie Brock in Spider-Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke for two, kids. Don't forget your white socks, buddy. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> um but no, that, that that's why that moment is so huge. Is if we're really good, it's something that comics have done even in Marvel again and again and again. There was a, an event Two years ago, maybe three years ago, um, Secret Secret Wars, where basically we the people in the MC, the the Marvel comic universe six one six had gone back over their own timeline to fix and break and fix things so much they literally broke time, the time continuum. We fucking shattered it. We broke it. Uh, and, and for a while we got this weird sort of like a house of cards, the house crumbled on itself and we reshuffled the cards and tried to build it back up again. But reality didn't, didn't get built back quite the way it was before. And some things kind of fell through the cracks a bit. So that's how we got stuff like, um, Mjolnir from the ultimate comic book universe ended up in 616 universe. Miles Morales made the yeah. leap from being only in the Ultimate Universe to now being in the main Marvel Universe. Um, so we've seen stuff like this happen in the comics. This might be the first step down the path to that happening for the entire MCU. And that is huge. Yes. Uh, given the characters and storylines Marvel now has, Marvel Studios now has access to, that could be huge. Like this moment, we you know, ten years down the line, we could all be talking about. Oh man, did you imagine when when Evan Peters, uh, Quicksilver walked out that we'd ever get to hear? Like, I fully expect that to be happening because uh, yeah. it is huge. It, 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 I think it's just terribly exciting as well. And, and it, uh, you know, I was talking to these two about this before, but like you know, ha- having a college reunion last night on Zoom was great, and I think. Every time that these movies start to cross over again, I mean, I get teleported back to a place where we're sitting drinking hot chocolate at a Denny's. Um, <laughs> and we're, you know, but we're discussing, I mean, I will never forget when we, uh, you know, I bought that, uh, that Doctor Strange animated film. What was that, 2007, 8? Yeah, yeah, something around And, there. you know, and I, I probably, you know, I think I just started buying Black Panther comics at the time as well. And I remember thinking, well, I mean, these are just two characters we're never going to see on a big screen. I mean, I remember having this discussion of being like, we're never going to see these characters on a big screen. And so uh, I could go on about seeing Black Panther till the end of time. It was, loved it so very much. Um, I think at this point now, watching as these things converge and as more and more things from like the comic book world start to make it onto the silver screen is just so exciting it's just it uh it makes me so just happy and 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 uh, full of wonder don if we could go back to one of those denny's conversations back in college and 
and and current Don Bacon said to then Don Bacon, "Hey, look, in 2022, this is going to be <laughs> a TV show on a Disney streaming service. I'll explain what streaming is later. Uh, all about Moon Knight." <laughs> I think all of us at that table would have would have been like, who the fuck is Moon Knight? And right? we were pretty well versed in the Marvel Universe at that point. Yes. That is, uh, I, I don't even think Kate Bishop existed yet. <laughs> but right? she's getting a show too. Like, the Disney streaming model um, is, as much as Marvel's killing it with their movies, and as much as I give them props for trying to bring in lesser known characters, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, where literally everybody was like, who? Right? Why are you making a movie out of them? Uh, but, uh, damn it, I lost my own track of thought. Uh, we're at a place now where, like, as, as much as the movies love to try to showcase some of the lesser-known characters and to really be in a, an inclusive universe, the Disney streaming service, that that whole model, just, if 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 the doors weren't even on the hinges anymore, they're completely blown off now. Yeah, it's gone. Anyone, anyone, anyone in Marvel is now a viable, plausible uh, entry into the MCU, either through a streaming series or as like a backup character in a streaming series. If you told me now, hey, they're doing Squirrel Girl in 2024, I'd be like, cool, good for Anna Kendrick. Um, (laughs) That's perfect, too. uh, Yeah, because they cast that character and it's not Anna Kendrick. You fucked up. Um, but like literally we're at a point where, and I love this, uh, I no longer will I ever reject a theory or a story idea because, oh, well, they're not going to do that character. Um, so again, swinging it back around to WandaVision, I can't fully say, oh, they're not going to do Mephisto because they could. There's definitely a world where they, where they could adapt Mephisto to work and to be a big bad going forward for at least the next several movies as we break and try to repair the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and that's, I think, what makes this so exciting is that because it's so wide open, because there's nothing that you couldn't theorize at this point, it's like, okay, so who from the Marvel Rogues Gallery could be pulling the strings at this point? And there are enough characters, um, there's enough villains specifically who you know, want something larger or are doing some sort of thing. You know, is this, is this cosmic energy that's making this happen? Is this uh, more of a sorcerer thing? Is this more of a technology thing? And from each of those realms, you know, you can really start to see different characters pop up in a way that uh, I don't know. I I don't know what's going to happen next. And that's what makes it so exciting. Yeah, in general, with with both WandaVision and the MCU, I don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, I kind of do, but I don't. And that is, we are at a point now, I don't think we've been in this position since like phase one or two of of the MCU, where it's like, I don't know where they're going, but I can't wait to get there. Um, I remember having a conversation with you out in my uh, uh, garage after seeing... Or no, after they announced Thor two would be Thor the Dark World, <laughs> uh, and talking about like what could that mean? What is the Dark World? I don't know, Don. Um, like we're at that point now where, like you said, Endgame really did kind of close off 
a whole chapter of mm-hmm. of the MCU, but anyone who thought they were done is an idiot. Uh, so we're now at that point where we're basically back at phase one again. Yes. We've, we've got some background stuff to work off. We're not completely working from scratch here, but we're really building our universe back out again. And, and that's one of the things I love about WandaVision is in episode four, when we get to, when we track the, the path of Monica Rambo, that is the most we've seen of what the world looks like in the MCU post Endgame. Yes. yes. Other than like Tony Stark's funeral, we don't really get any kind of okay. What is the world like now? And I know some of you are already on your keyboard saying, "Well, Spider Man Three, Spider Man Three played it all for a joke," uh, and and very quickly, hey, yeah, we all snapped and we're all back now. Surprise! And then they never addressed it again. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that one kid got hot now, um, so he could try to mack on MJ. Which, anyway, um, like, the, the, yeah, Spider-Man spent more time in that world, but I would argue it showed us less of it. Yes. Monica's, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I just, I think one of, the, one of the things that I will clap for the MCU, as long as they do it well, is every large event in Marvel Comics, to a certain degree, you usually get you know, one of the big characters is discovering something or is guiding us through this story, right? Um, Like when I was saying something earlier about House of M, like Wolverine, who we know really well from comic books, is like taking us through the story or something terrible happens. And so Charles Xavier and Tony Stark get together to talk about it or Captain America's, you know, right there telling everybody what to do. And right now there's not one of those characters around that we think of that's like at the forefront of everything, who's telling everybody what to do and what to think and, and what we're going to do next. And so I think that's what also like makes this next phase really, really, uh, what, what are am I looking for? Just, it's what makes it seem so adventurous mm-hmm. is who I'm, who I relied on, which was the big three Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man to tell me what was happening next and to really drive the story forward I'm not necessarily relying on their stories to move me forward at this point. And so what's going to, who's going to take me there? Um, yeah. I think that's cool as well. And I think that's, that'll be something really strong that the films will do that the comics don't necessarily do at times. Yeah. Um, there's definitely that sense of in, in hindsight, having a whole year without any MCU projects really did make Endgame and, and um, far from home feel really like we closed the chapter and like we're done now. Um, Cause like we had a whole year to just sit and like reflect back on the journey and the ending and getting there. And, and then we had time to just like kind of process it. And now like we're just now in 2021 moving forward with what the, the Marvel universe is going to look like going forward. And I think in hindsight, that was probably a good thing for us. Yeah. Um, to, to, to really let that sink in because it's you know it's the trope in comics now is oh this huge event it'll reshape the whole marvel universe and then like six months later there's another event that'll reshape the whole marvel universe and like it's it's become someone like i know now start up you know whatever year we're in there's going to be at least two to three giant events this year and they're all going to change everything for a couple months till the next event changes everything like they've become mundane yeah and we're not we're not at that cynical point with the movies yet of where an event can still literally reshape the whole universe going forward and that's really exciting 
we're, we're, you know, we're not burned out in Cynical Anime. You know, Endgame and Infinity War literally changed the whole universe. And yeah. we're now still figuring it. As we're adjusting to what that world is like, we may have just changed it again. Indeed. So, damn. Well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I got to wrap up here, man. <laughs> uh, hey, perfect, perfect timing, man. Uh, thank you so much, John, for joining me this week and just shooting the Marvel shit. Uh, it's been too long. Yeah. But uh, uh, so, listeners, let us know. Uh, are our theories good? Are we insane? What did we not talk about you want to hear? Uh, we will definitely get together again in a few weeks when WandaVision has wrapped uh and and check back in and we'll be right we'll be way off base uh i don't know john any closing thoughts for us that's all i got man all right man then in the words of the immortal stanley enough said